but a lot of investors, they look at lower quality and only look at the potential upside of those securities. They see a low price stock or they see something that is very volatile and moves around a lot and they see the potential of that. And, and that will, you know, that potential will come through occasionally. Um, but over the longer term, most people will find greater success investing in the higher quality assets. That's a sneak peek at today's episode where we speak with Parallel Financials Chief Investment Officer Greg Towner. couple things before we get started. My name is David Chuddick. I'm a certified financial planner. Please make sure to visit our website, www.weeklywealthpodcast.com. Also, be on the lookout in the next several weeks. We are putting together a five-part mini video course about your personal financial issues. And also, anybody who would like to have a complimentary consultation via Zoom, via phone call, or via in-person meeting. If you are comfortable, I will put my calendar link in the show notes. So here we go. This is the Weekly Wealth Podcast with certified financial planner, David Chuddick, where we discuss the wealth building mindsets and tactics that can help you to build and maintain wealth for you, your family, and your business. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of the Weekly Wealth Podcast, where we talk about the mindsets, the tactics, and the strategies to help you to build and maintain wealth. And this week, we are just super excited to have Greg Towner um, on the show with us. And Greg is the Chief Investment Officer for our firm, Parallel Financial. And um, Greg uh, and, and the investment team uh, handle the money management. So, hey, Greg, how are you doing? And uh, hey, just take a quick quick uh, moment or two. Tell us a little bit about yourself, maybe your credentials, and uh, how long you've been in the uh, money management business. Okay, yeah, great. Thanks, David. Uh, appreciate you, you having me on your podcast today. Uh, yeah, actually, I've been in uh, the industry, I guess, right around a little over 21 years now. And, uh, you know, most of that was spent with uh, some of the larger firms within the banking and, and financial services industry, uh, which was good, you know, good, good experience as far as building up knowledge on the portfolio management side. Uh, but I've been very fortunate to be with Parallel Financial now for uh, over five years, close to six years. Uh, and I'll get into, you know, why that's been beneficial, but, you know, along the lines, I was able to uh, receive my MBA with a concentration in, in finance. And I hold the, the chartered financial analyst designation as, as well as the chartered market technician designation. Um, and so how that all kind of ties in with, with Parallel is one of the biggest reasons I was excited to move over from, from the big shops where you're often kind of told what you're supposed to be doing to a smaller but fast growing shop where you're able to kind of do money management the way you think is best is, is you know, you having both the CFA and the CMT as we combine uh, something I believe in is combining the fundamental analysis and the technical analysis and the behavioral side of analysis. And I think uh, all of that is going to uh, tie in with what we talk about today. You manage what, 50 bucks, 100 bucks, or how, how much money are you um, uh, providing investment advisory services on right now? It's growing, isn't it? Yeah, the firm has grown really, really fast. So it's been great. Uh, I think our last numbers, last I looked, maybe a quarter in, were um, I don't know, maybe 230 million, somewhere in that. Uh, range for the firm. Uh, so I at least have my, my hands on most of that in some way, shape or form. So it's, it's been uh, it's been great growth for the firm. Yeah, now we're a big firm, but we're not so big that uh, every client doesn't matter for sure. And one exactly. of the things that I love about Parallel Financial is the fact that I, as an advisor, get to partner with 
kind of product uh, or, or area specialist. So I'm personally not managing money for my clients. I am uh, managing the relationship and then you and our investment team is, is handling the, the actual managing and investing of our clients money for the most part. And that just, um, that, that makes clients feel really good that they have several different uh, individuals and parts of the team helping them to reach their goals. So yeah, definitely. You always want everybody focusing on their, their, their best, uh, strong, using their strongest assets to, uh, work towards the same goal. Yep. Nobody's an expert at, at, at everything. That's for sure. Nope. So, so you recently wrote a, um, wrote a white paper about uh, investing in, in quality stocks. So um, tell us a little bit about some of the highlights of that paper and also kind of what is a quality stock and, and what are some of the other options? Because maybe a, a non-sophisticated investor out there might be thinking, well, why would I invest in anything other than what's defined as quality? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, every, periodically, maybe once a year or so, we like to write these these white papers, as you might call them, to that kind of uh, aren't timely in the, in the sense of what's going on in the market now or what's going on in the economy now. I mean, everybody likes to know and hear all that and hear our opinion on the market. But it's really important to, to step back occasionally, David, and, and look at the bigger picture, you know, learn about our philosophy, learn about our investment process. You know, what, what do we think is important uh, in, in achieving your, your longer term financial goals? And one of the big, big keys to our process, and it ties in with a lot of things, is investing in higher quality and particularly when we're talking about the individual stock side where you're really trying to drill down into the companies and so we'll get into you know three main reasons why it's important but just from a broader perspective i mean think about think about everything you do and buy in your in your daily life whether it's it's healthcare, you want quality health care right you don't want low quality you know transportation you want a quality vehicle you know, food, everybody wants, you know, more and more these days, the quality, organic, you know, all that food. They don't want low quality food. You know, your home, you want a quality home. You know, we view it the same with, with investments. I mean, you know, we want high quality, even if that means paying more. I mean, you don't expect to get a high quality automobile uh, by paying less than you would for low quality. So with stocks, you know, we're okay paying a little bit more in valuation because we want higher quality. Unfortunately, when it comes to investors, you know, I say more and more people are recognizing this importance, but a lot of investors, they look at lower quality and only look at the potential upside of those securities. They see a low price stock or they see something that is very volatile and moves around a lot and they see the potential of that. And, and that will, you know, that potential will come through occasionally. Um, but over the longer term, most people will find greater success investing in the higher quality assets and that's a, a firm point of our of our process so do you find that many investors will get uh, you know those statistics about if you were to put a dollar in microsoft back in the 80s you'd now have whatever it is 18 million dollars um but for every you know for every microsoft there's how many other companies that never made it to that end i mean do you find that that individuals kind of get drawn into i want to find that that next big stock that's going to turn my $10 into, into millions? Yeah. I mean, that, that's certainly tempting. And, and Hey, if, if any investor wants to do that with a very small amount of their money, their, their play account, so to speak, that's fine. Go for it. You know, get it out of your system. Maybe you'll be the, the rare one that, that hits it big, but for the bulk of your assets, uh, you want something that is, is much more likely to get you where you really need to be over the longer term. 
you know, right now, while we're talking about a topic that, that can be talked about at any time, I mean, here in the, in the summer of 2020, we're seeing a lot of investors, particularly the, the younger investors, really, uh, frankly, gambling on some of their, uh, some of their investment uh, choices, if, uh, trading choices. And they're just going for the real speculative things, investing in things that are, you know, about to, if not going through bankruptcy. And then they're really just gambling. And some of them, some of that's going well for them at the moment. Um, but, you know, over the longer term, that's, it's very difficult to have that as a sustainable strategy. And, you know, if, if you're just learning and you're just uh, getting started and you don't have a lot of money at risk, if it gets you interested in investing for the long term, that's probably okay. But as you go along in time and you accumulate more assets, it becomes really dangerous to, to have a, a large amount of your assets in that kind of strategy. And, and we, we really think you need to be focusing more on, on, on higher quality. I know that there's probably not, you know, a textbook definition of high quality stocks, but, you know, generally kind of speaking, what are you using to determine if, if a stock is a, is a high quality stock? Yeah, I mean, I've seen a lot of different ways to define that over time, and I think each portfolio manager has their own preference. What we've actually selected to do and been doing this for quite a while is use two uh, independent third-party uh, research firms to, to do that kind of screening for us. So we use Standard & Poor's as well as ValueLine. Both of them do quality screening. And so we let them weed out based on certain ratings and rankings uh, which stocks don't meet certain criteria. And so that saves us a lot of time and effort and allows us to use our resources uh, more, you know, more uh, efficiently. And so, you know, they're looking at all the basics of cash flow and some of their earnings history and how much debt they have. I mean, it's easy to ignore debt, you know, during good times, but when bad times come, you don't want a company that has a lot of high cost debt. So, you know, hey, you know, you think that the company's ratings will change over time, but for the most part, they actually stay relatively consistent. And so we, we use those uh, rating screens to kind of get rid of all the, the potential bad apples for us. And for the unsophisticated investor, I think it's very tempting to say, I like XYZ product. I buy it and I use it. So it must be a quality stock, right? I mean, if if there's, you know, a type cell phone that, that, that I really enjoy buying stock in that cell phone, you know, because it's a good product, it must be a quality stock. But that's probably a little bit of a trap or not necessarily true, correct? Well, I mean, it's tough because a lot of what people use on a daily basis tends to be bigger, recognizable names. And so maybe a lot of those have already long ago passed the quality metrics, you know, but not necessarily. I mean, just because you use something regularly doesn't mean it's a high quality company. They can, they can run into difficult times and then move on to the, you know, their competitors could take over. So I'd say investing in things that you know and like is at least a good starting point to begin your research, but it doesn't necessarily make them a quality company. What are, I mean, you know, you talked about in your white paper, uh, three reasons that, um, you know, that, that you and Parallel Financial does focus on high quality uh, stocks in, in your portfolio. So let's, uh, let's talk about the first one, outperforming. And th that seems like a pretty bold, uh, pretty bold statement. Uh, talk to us a little bit about how the high quality tend to outperform. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, everybody wants to help perform, right? You know, you want, you want good absolute performance, uh, but also in our industry, you, you want uh, relative outperformance over, you know, whether it be benchmarks or other types of strategies. And, you know, there's been a lot of different studies done over the years, academic studies looking at it, and we've 
reviewed all those. But the one we wrote about in our in our white paper was actually one that had been done just earlier this year. I think it was uh, ending April of this year. It was done by uh, Bank of America, Merrill Lynch, and they looked back over history and, and they happen to be using uh, the standard and poor's quality metric, which I, I mentioned is one of the ones that we use. And over longer time periods, the quality stocks had significantly outperformed. Now, what was interesting about the timing of this paper, just purely coincidental at the end of April, you'll remember that is when we, the market had started to surge off the lows, you know, after the worst period of the COVID crisis. Uh, so a lot of times what you'll see is the surging off the lows happens in the, some of the lower quality. So in this, in this report, the one month performance of high quality was actually terrible. It was underperformed uh, the lower quality by 8% over that very short term period. But if you look out longer, over 10 years, it had outperformed by 57%, the high quality had. So, uh, the, yeah, it's all about um, performing. Uh, the high quality has a long track record and a lot of different studies of outperformance. Obviously, not during every period, um, but over time, I think you'll, you'll see that the high quality outperforms. Uh, but do they go up and down? Or are they volatile? Do they have, you know, those... I mean, I know obviously COVID this year was an anomaly and something that's hopefully a once in a once in a lifetime. But uh, do the do the high quality do they tend to be kind of a slow, steady rise, or or are there those uh, those peaks and valleys? Yeah, and this is uh, definitely our our second reason in the paper for investing in high quality. But it could easily be number one in importance to us, and that's the fact that historically high quality is less volatile. I mean, we, we showed a study in here and we've seen others over time that literally as the you move up the metric of from high quality to low quality, it gets more and more volatile as you, as you increase the number of low quality securities in your portfolio, it becomes more volatile. And why we think this is so important is because uh, we talk a lot about the behavioral side of investing, the emotional aspects of investing. I mean, you could have the best laid plans and the best stocks in your portfolio, if you can't stick with your plan, uh, when things get volatile, uh, you're 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 just going to throw away your plan. You're not going to you know you're not going to um, stick to what you originally were hoping to achieve. So by having higher quality and lower volatility, uh, we think you're able to ride through some of those more difficult times. And we, so we strive for our portfolios to have a lower level of volatility than the broader market. And and fortunately, we've been able to achieve that. And we think that keeps investors engaged and invested during difficult periods, just like we saw earlier this year. And, and we will again see in the future. It's just, you know, inevitability of, of investing. Yeah, yeah. Now, this year, of course, 2020 has been one of the most volatile years uh, in, in, in in decades, probably. Do you know of any industry uh, statistics or, you know, how many people just bailed out and and got into all cash and kind of locked in, uh, locked in that loss when the markets were at or near the bottom, but now might be just about where they were in the beginning because the markets have recovered. Yeah, I know there was a couple months back, there was a study coming out, I believe it was from Fidelity, and they were looking at uh, investors, some of their investors that I think were, you know, in their retirement age, 60 plus, and they had a very high percentage, uh, I think off the top of my head, it was around a th nearly a third of them uh, went to cash during this the crisis period. And then when you do that, it, it, now you have another choice, you know, when and how do you get back invested, uh, reinvested back in the market? 
So, you know, by making those decisions all in, all out, that type of thing, uh, it just becomes really dangerous uh, when you're trying to achieve your goals because you, you're really just guessing and then going away from a plan. You never want to try to make a plan on the fly when, when the volatility is rising. You're not apt to make the best laid plans. Well, and I think that gets back to one of the major, major um, uh, principles that, that you are constantly preaching, and that's the emotions. And, and, and the investing is dealing with money, and money is very emotional, especially when you get into your 60s and 70s, when uh, you, know, you don't have time to earn more money to replenish your portfolio. So people do make panic decisions, and I can just see how, how important it would be to, if you could reduce the volatility a little bit, that would just help people with what I call help investors with the, uh, the sleep at night factor, because ultimately a financial plan and an investment strategy really should have the sleep at night factor and, and, and should allow investors to, to the extent that it's possible to be comfortable with, with the, the strategy that's in place. So. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Sure. Do quality stocks, <clears throat> Are they appropriate only during certain economic environments? Uh, do they do they work really well during during some types and, and not well in others, or or do they tend to work well all the time? Or yeah, so our you know our third reason for owning quality is it's really the closest you can get to kind of a one size fits all, meaning good for all economic periods. And there's going to be certain strategies that do really well during, say, a recessionary, recessionary period and others that do really well during the expansion. You know, and then there's also the recovery period and the slowdown period. So there's really four kind of main periods of a typical economic cycle. If you look at different types of investing. If I break in, how long is an economic cycle typically? Well, yeah, I mean, it, it, that can vary greatly i mean i think over time early in my career if you'd read the textbooks so you'd see people talk about seven years that type of thing i don't know i think you can kind of throw that all out the window anymore and you know with modern technology and the fed doing what they're doing and then obviously what's happened this year i think putting a definition on it is, is difficult but if you just talk about you know something in the five to ten year range for a full economic cycle you might be kind of in the in the ballpark but when you invest in quality, the studies show that, no, it won't be the top performer in every stage of the economic cycle, but it's shown it can actually be an outperformer compared to the broader market during every cycle. Some of it will be you know, among the best types of strategies, but even during those when it's not as strong, it's still performing positively. And it was the only strategy in the studies that we found that was a positive performer in every type of period in the economic cycle. So that doesn't mean that, you know, you're not gonna own things that don't go down during the worst times, but it's gonna be a relative outperformer during most points of the cycle. So again, back to um, the behavioral side of things and smoothing volatility, we think it's gonna keep investors in the game. Yeah, well, and the reason for my question <clears throat> about how long is an economic cycle, and let's say it's five years or, or roughly, well, that means, you know, most investors start in their 20s and 30s. And that means that you'll go through how many different cycles over the course of your lifetime. So if, if the quality stocks are outperforming over all the different, uh, different economic cycles, yeah, you may not win during one of the cycles, but that's a small, small portion of your entire, uh, you know, investing lifetime. 
Yeah, it's almost like absolutely. you're not having to to uh, to pick your uh, not having to pick which uh, which strategy is is going to work for right now. It's giving you a long term perspective, which is certainly uh, certainly always good for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, one kind of thing it, it wasn't one of our three main points, but one thing that I think is important is. You know, we talk a lot about discipline, you know, have a disciplined investment process, you know, disciplined risk management, that sort of thing. And one key way to be able to stick with that discipline and stick with it during difficult times is finding an investment process that suits you and that you can stick with. And we think for a high percentage of investors, particularly our typical, you know, type of client, investing in high quality is one that they can stick with. You know, some investors, they, they get attracted to the, to the growth thing when that's doing well, but then when that goes bad, they, they have to try to, you know, grasp onto something else, or maybe they like value, but that hasn't done well or so forth. We, to us, uh, quality is, is just a high likelihood of most investors being able to stick with it over time. And that's going to get them a long ways to, to doing what they uh, are seeking to do, we think. So you and I, we, I mean, we both make our living, you know, directly or indirectly from, from managing money. Can the individual investor, you know, use kind of a high quality stock if, if it's someone who doesn't necessarily want to have someone like yourself manage their, manage their money? I mean, what are some, some basic tips to, to, to using a, a high quality strategy for an individual investor? Well, you know, from a broader perspective, there are uh, a couple of ETFs, exchange-traded funds, that invest in what they call high quality. And we do um, occasionally utilize those in some of our portfolios. Uh, you know, again, w- with any ETF, you're going to own a basket of, of securities, some that you may necessarily want to own and may or may not. So it's, it's hard to say. Um, if you're going to drill down into individual stocks, I would say starting start with like we do some of these third party independent researchers that screen things out, screen out some of the lower quality. And then if you want to take it the next step further, uh, look at the amount of debt versus cash flows that a company uh, has and is is producing. That should give you at least a a starting point to know uh, what their quality is and what their ability is to meet some of those debt obligations uh, in the future. So, you know, it's funny, I, um, I interviewed Steve Tollison, who's another financial advisor with Parallel, and I know you know him very well, and he, a uh, former pro baseball player, and he made a very strong point that if a lot of his clients are business owners, and he made a point that in order to run just a huge business that, that's profitable, you're pulled in so many directions, and and what you just said is I mean, to an extent, it's all out there on the internet, and you could probably find that uh, that information. But can you spend time researching stocks, and build your own company, and buy other locations for your own company? So that does uh, it does make a good point for outsourcing money management as well, depending on uh, you know what your personal situation is, because there can be a whole lot of time involved, and that's really all you do uh, on most days is your you're dealing with this as, as a job, but you're not also trying to run, you know, run a company as well. So. Yeah. And I think I'd take that back to some of my opening statements of, Hey, if, if you as an investor or business owner, what have you want to have some, some play money on the side and, and, you know, buy some of these more speculative things or do some things on your own, you know, that that's fine, you know, go, go to it. But for the bulk of your wealth where you really need to preserve and grow it, uh, make sure your you or your advisor is following a real disciplined uh, long-term approach. 
Yeah, yeah. So tell us about uh, uh, QRLT, kind of parallels uh, investment process, kind of from a 30,000 uh, foot level. Yeah, you know, again, getting back to we think uh, everything is about having a, a disciplined process. You know, we, we came up with the QRLT and the Q being the quality of what we're talking about today. So always having that quality start off your process. Uh, the R is for rules-based and particularly risk management. You want to have a, a disciplined approach for you to choose your securities over time. You're not just, you know, grabbing what looks hot and, and interesting at that time. You need to have a, a rules-based um, strategy. Yeah, and, and, and so we got the QRLT and then the L, you want liquidity and low cost. So you want investments that you can get in and out of easily and you want them to be low cost as far as no commissions or if it's an ETF or mutual fund, very low expense ratio. And then the T is tax efficient. You know, at the end of the day, you don't just want good stock performance, but you want to have more dollars in your pocket after everything, and that includes taxes. So we do different things within our strategies, both on the investment side, as well as more on your side, on the planning side, that are very critical to the tax efficiency. So that's the QRLT. I love it. I love it. So uh, you tell me, what's your life, life been the, this year? How's your blood pressure during one of these uh, <laughs> crazy years? I mean, I could imagine, well, actually, in all seriousness, I could imagine with the quality strategies, uh, maybe a little less stress for you versus other money managers. But uh, yeah, tell us uh, how stressful has your life been? or Are you able to just trust the process? Yeah, you know, David, I'm fortunate to be a fairly even keeled uh, person that doesn't have uh, too much stress normally. I, I will have to admit that, you know, March was, uh, you know, more stressful than normal for sure. And, and not so much just because of what was going on in the financial markets, but of course, dealing with this health crisis that was new and eye-opening and unknown to, to all of us. So kind of wondering what that was going to be. But, you know, fortunately, from the investment side of things, uh, it quickly became apparent that no matter whether it was a health crisis, economic crisis, what have you, it, a lot of the same things that you see over and over occur in investing uh, were happening again as far as investors' behavioral decisions, uh, what was happening in stocks. So whatever the causes are that may be different every time that hit stocks, a lot of what actually occurs within the market itself uh, it, it kind of repeats from things that you've seen in the past. So once I had a little bit more firm grasp of that and, and knowing that our portfolios were, were holding up better on a relative basis, uh, I think uh, I got past that, the worst of the stress uh, pretty quick. Yeah, well, it's funny because, you know, during the housing crisis, well, this is this is different and the markets are going to go to zero, never recover. And then, you know, the tech boom, this is different and, and it's never going to recover. And then COVID, well, this is definitely different. It's a, um, it's a healthcare crisis and a shutdown, so the markets won't recover, but they've recovered. And, and I think that the general principles will always apply regardless of the cause. Now, is it scary? Do I like seeing my portfolios go down? No, but when there's a process out there to trust uh, that that is just sensible, uh, then I think that 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 makes it a little bit easier for all of us. And and I would imagine uh, you as a money manager probably had a little bit less stress than some uh, some other other money managers out there, or hopefully anyway. So yeah, we were very fortunate to have uh, very little uh, clients, you know, want to go to cash or, or get you know really uh, frustrated with with what was going on in the market and, and try to change from their plan. And, and I can only imagine if, if about the investors that were in some of those lower quality investments that were just tanking beyond belief. Uh, I, I can't even imagine being in those at that time. And yes, they had a, a sharp rebound after, but how many people, um, you know, that own those things 
wrote it out and, and, and were able to benefit from some of the increase. So many of those that saw that extreme volatility and that lower quality investments, uh, you know, they were bailing out of those along the way. So it's just to me, uh, you know, I'm sure there's a handful of people out there that can do well with, with those types of investments. But I think that for most people, it's just, uh, it's just uh, going to be a losing game to try to play that. Right, right. Um, I did a podcast episode about the basics that we should be concentrating on all of us. Uh, and B was budgets, and then A was allocation. And, and kind of where I come in, uh, in the financial planning side is I help clients to determine kind of what type of assets to be invested in. So in other words, you know, if you're 80 years old and, and no longer in the workforce, uh, yeah, in 2019, you enjoyed 20, 25% returns, but then in 2020, you had that huge vol volatile section, you know, maybe we shouldn't, uh, shouldn't have been invested that way in the first place. So that's where kind of together as a team, we, uh, we have me with some of the other behavioral aspects of helping to determine what, uh, what level of risk a specific client, uh, client should be taking depending on their, their time horizon, their risk tolerance, and, and even just some personality factors as well. So, hey, this has been fun. I always enjoy uh, your, your statistics and, and, and the, the fascinating way that you manage money that seems to really just, just give the clients some, some ability to sleep at night and, and, and it's very, very well thought out. So before we call this an episode, is there anything, uh, anything that you'd like to add to, uh, to the investors listening out there? Yeah, I think I would just kind of sum it up as, you know, again, uh, we think investing in high quality is something that uh, most investors can stick with. And to us, at the end of the day, it's not, you know, whether you own XYZ stock or ABC stock or all of that. It's what can you do to stick with your plan for the long run? And so uh, that really is what it comes back to for most of our process. And that should help some investors uh, sleep at night. So Greg, I appreciate uh, your time and, and uh, hopefully maybe in the uh, last quarter of uh, 2020, we can have you uh, on again and uh, we can talk about what we can do to get ready for 2021. That sounds great. Thank you, David. If the concepts that Greg and I spoke about during this episode resonate with you, email me at david at parallelfinancial.com. That's david at parallelfinancial.com. And let's find a time to get together, whether virtually or in person, to discuss how these could fit into your personal and business portfolios. The information contained herein, including but not limited to research, market value, valuations, calculations, estimates, and other material obtained from Parallel Financial and other sources are believed to be reliable. However, Parallel Financial does not warrant its accuracy or completedness. The materials are provided for informational purposes only. It should not be used or construed as an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy any security. Past performance is not indicative of future results.